friends. Hello, hello. Happy Monday. Happy, happy middle of May. Oh my God. We've gotten here. It's warm. We've had some days that have been incredible. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, weather gods. You know that this is a show. Oh, you're. Ellie Krug here with Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. I'm just thrilled to be with you again on this Monday morning. I know it's Monday. I realize that. But you've got me for the next half hour, this hopeless, practical idealist, to talk about idealists and about my work. Um, I, I'm here to talk uh, in my uh, A slot about an unsung hero that um, is very unsung. So unsung, I had to do very incremental research to learn about her because she has no Wikipedia page. She's got no Facebook page. She has nothing um, that she that she tells that she alone tells anyone about herself. So I had to pe I had to um, piece together things from various news accounts. I am talking about a woman named Megan Coffey. She's a doctor. She's forty years old. And she's a physician working in Haiti. Now, Dr. Coffey grew up in suburban New Jersey as the only child of two college professors. Now, the story is even more remarkable when you consider that she was on a trajectory um, to become a very, very um, uh, well-paid, if nothing else, um, and, and um, well-known doctor. She's a graduate of Harvard Medical School where she studied public health, and then also a graduate of Oxford University, where she trained on epidemiology and the mathematical modeling of infectious diseases. In other words, Dr. Coffey has the pedigree to be a millionaire doctor here in the United States. She was on a prestigious fellowship when the Haiti earthquake occurred in 2010. Now, you may recall that it was a 7.0 earthquake, uh, and that earthquake killed 160,000 people. That, did you hear that number? 160,000 people died in that earthquake and totally devastated the country. Dr. Coffey's specialty was communicable diseases. She went to Haiti, and she set up a clinic to treat tuberculosis and HIV. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and that's different because most of the foreign doctors who went to Haiti were surgeons or general practitioners. So she set herself aside um, in that way. Now, I've got to tell you, uh, learning, as I said, learning about her has not been easy. She does have a Twitter account. Um, she, has, um, she's, she has been prolific at tweeting things only about... Haiti and infectious diseases. She's got 13,000 tweets out there, um, 5,890 followers, and 13,000.2 um, likes uh, of her tweets. That's about the best I can tell you about what she has done about herself. It's about everything else talking about what she has done. Um, she, so she set up this clinic in uh, the the parking lot of a hospital in Haiti, and I, I think it's in Port-au-Prince, Prince, that, uh, so she's got essentially, and, and these are tents, that's what her clinic is. We're not talking about like a, a, a building that is uh, solid. 
She has 16 Haitian nurses. And what she does is she believes in empowering the people that she heals. So what she does is she gets people healthy and then she employs them. She believes that patients need to rely on each other, um, peer to peer. Uh, so former patients uh, become involved in her program as, uh, as um, assistants and they have uh, the uh, job description of calling other patients to remind them of the need to take their medicine, for example. And they can do that with credibility because they can say, Dr. Coffee helped heal me, and she healed me because I took my medicine, as she told me to take my medicine. Uh, Dr. Coffee, there's even an, uh, a report that she gets into the weeds. She cooks pots of spaghetti and ketchup to feed to her patients because many of them, when they come to the clinic, are suffering from malnutrition. Um, what, uh, what, and if you read about this remarkable woman, and, and good luck, okay? If you, if you Google Dr. Megan Coffey, you're not going to find a lot. You're going to have to hunt for it. But if you do, what you're going to find out is not only does she treat her patients, but she provides them with hope. Now, Dr. Coffey, uh, she attracted the attention of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which gave her a small amount of money. Um, she's also raised about $300,000 from a variety of sources. Um, but that is way, way short of the $9 billion that have give, that's been given to Haiti since the earthquake. A Barron's Magazine piece highlighted the lesson of Dr. Coffey, which was this. A modest donation to a clued-in individual can often be far more effective than a large donation to a brand-name philanthropic institution. Dr. Coffey, she's modest, hard-working, self-sacrificing, smart, and hidden. She's an idealist in the truest sense of the world. Thank you, Dr. Coffey, for what you are doing for the poorest of the poor, for those who lack voices of their own. So now let me turn to you, my listeners, and ask, what have you been doing lately for the poorest of the poor, those who have lack, vision, lack voices of their own? And trust me, I am not here to shame you. I know that we are all incredibly busy. I know that many of you listening right now, you are just struggling. You're just trying to make your way through the world, through surviving the human condition. I know that. And please, I'm not, I'm not trying to shame or guilt anyone. Uh, we get, we've got to get past all of that and just ask ourselves, what are we doing? Now, and, and Dr. Coffey, what a role model. She doesn't tout what she does. I mean, she is not like out there saying, well, look at me. Look at all the good that I am doing. Some could say I'm adding now parenthetically Ellie Krug is doing that because she has a radio show where she talks about her work. However, we need to understand that the radio station asked me to do this. And um, we need to continue to fall back on the idea that we are a society of story listeners and storytellers. That's why I'm on this radio. That's why I talk about idealists. Because when we hear their stories, it empowers us. It makes us believe that it's possible it is possible for us to go and, and do um, a little bit, something similar, in a much smaller scale of the people that we hear. 
I'm not looking for anybody to go to Haiti, um, nor am I looking for anybody to set up a clinic to treat people um, suffering from tuberculosis or HIV. God love you if you do volunteer in those capacities. I mean that. God love you if you do. But you know, we can all do something. We can. And sometimes that something is just as, as small as saying, and I know I say this often, as saying hello to someone, looking them in the eyes, smiling. Because you may encounter a person who feels that the world does not care about them, that the world where they are invisible, they believe that they're invisible. And you just simply acknowledging their presence and smiling at them, saying hello to them, that can make a huge difference to some people. It can. It really can. And in fact, I got an email from a listener um, recently who said that they had started to do that, that they had gone across, that they had come across a person every day who they didn't say and interact with, and the other person didn't interact with them. And then one day... One day they said hello to that person and they waited to see if the person the next time they met them, whether that person would say hello back and as it turned out, that person did. So now you had two people who didn't interact with each other but because somebody got brave and just said, hello, how are you? It caused another person to believe that they were of value and that they could then say, hello, how are you back? Yep, it's baby steps. That's all it takes sometimes. Sometimes it takes huge things by devoting your life to a cause in Haiti where you don't get paid. But it's all something that we can do. All right, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio, talking about idealism. If you like what you hear, email me at Ellie. Ellie2.0radio at gmail.com. Visit my website at elliekrug.com. I love people visiting my website. Sign up for my newsletter. The Ripple comes out every month. When we come back, I will talk about uh, some of my work. Thank you. Bye. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hi, I'm Damien Strange, Executive Director of Northeast Minneapolis Arts Association, NEMA. And I'm personally inviting you to Arterworld, May 18th through the 20th. View artwork of over 650 artists in every medium at more than 50 locations throughout Northeast Minneapolis, including studio buildings, art galleries, homes, storefronts, and local businesses. The Artist Open Studio Tour may include demonstrations, mini workshops, installations, and special exhibitions. Studio tours offer a great opportunity to ask questions, discuss techniques, experience art firsthand, and purchase unique artwork directly from artists. Art World gives you a unique opportunity to meet the artists who make our community so vibrant and invest in our art community by purchasing artwork that you connect with. For more information, go to nema.org. That's nema.org. Looking forward to seeing you at Art World. 
Hi, Matt McNeil for Rudy Luther Toyota. My first Toyota love was the RAV4 back in 1998. When I was traveling in February, I needed a rental car, and I jumped at the opportunity to drive one again. The RAV4 is fantastic with all the bells and whistles you need, and it has all the modern safety features to keep us safe comfort as we vacationed. It fit all five of us and our luggage with ease. I was able to revisit my first love. Now, you can fall in love for yourself by test driving a RAV4 today at Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Kevin Ross here, inviting you to our brand new store called Ombibulous. What does Ombibulous mean? It means one who enjoys alcoholic beverages of all sorts. Ombibulous is a Minnesota maker's market. Unlike traditional liquor stores, we feature only craft beer, wine, and spirits made here in Minnesota. We are ready to guide your selections, where you can build your own four or six packs. Find us at 949 Hennepin Avenue East in Northeast Minneapolis or online at ombibulousmn.com. Listening to me, Ellie Krug, I almost, I'm just rocking out to the music. If you're watching on Facebook Live, I almost forgot. Oh, wait, Ellie, you're doing a radio show. Oh, okay. Anyway, here we are. This is my B slot where I talk about my work. Again, it's not all about me, but please, I'm just, I share things about what happens because I think that it does inspire people. I do. So, I speak and train on human inclusivity. I go across America and into Canada. My work is uh, what I like to think of practical idealism at work. Uh, so I'm standing in front of a lot of audiences. And it is not uncommon for people to come up to me after one of my talks, after one of my trainings. Sometimes people come up and they are emotional. My trainings do touch people. Sometimes I see people as they're standing in line, they come to me and their tears welling in their eyes. Sometimes they just simply ask if we can hug. And it's all quite humbling. But for me, an idealist, it's about impact. So it makes, for me, it reinforces for me, yes, Ellie, what you are doing is making a difference in the world. And you know what? I'm 61. I don't know how many more days I have left. I mean, I'm relatively healthy. Listen, that was me knocking on wood. Um, I don't know how much time I have left. I'd like to think it's a lot. But... I don't know, and because I don't, I'm trying to do my best to make the best use of the time that I have left. So I want to relate, though, a, a couple of reactions that I had several weeks ago where I was training at an organization. It was a nonprofit, but we don't need to go beyond there. So I did the training. It was gray area thinking. My general human inclusivity training uh, training is not where I talk about. I'm, it's not about being LGBTQ. It's not about being transgender. It's about being human. It's a training for all humans, about humans. And a number of people, as um, does happen, came up to me, um, um, including one person who said it was the best training they'd ever attended. So obviously, again, made me feel good. 
told me I was hitting the mark, um, having impact. Eventually, though, I found myself talking to a tall man, somebody late 40s, early 50s, um, who told me that before he goes to a training like mine, he likes to research people. He wants to see, learn about who the trainer is, and, and he wanted to figure out whether or not um, the trainer um, is consistent. Uh, that was a word that he used. And, and he said, well, you know, you talk about this inclusion and be good to everybody. He said, I wanted to research you to see whether you were, in fact, that way or whether you were just saying that in the training. Now, I have to tell you, this is not the usual conversation I have with somebody after one of my trainings. But because I'm fairly consistent on the way that I approach the world, I mean, I am human. I have some inconsistencies. But as he was saying this to me, there were no alarm bells going off in my head because, you know, I pretty much write about compassion for others and for self. I write about how we can bridge our differences by focusing on our commonalities. But then this man went on to say that he didn't see on my website or in my writings anything where I was giving, quote, the other side, unquote, its due. He was a bit cryptic, but, you know, the definite sense was he was now, he was now turning to criticize me because I was not endorsing the views of the Trump-Pence administration or its voters. He didn't say that. He didn't use the word Trump, but he didn't use the, the phrase Pence. Um, but quickly, I, you know, this conversation started to turn. And in the most basic sense, it was turning and he was saying that I was being a hypocrite. It was also pretty clear to me that not much of my training that he had just sat through for two and a half hours had sunk in. You know, I told him that I talk about people as humans without labels, but because I was feeling defensive as I was talking to him, I said that those people were trying to erase me from the world, the people that he was talking about, the people that he was criticizing me for not in my out-of-training um, writings and speakings, um, criticizing me for not bringing them within the fold. And I, you know... the. Some of those people, quote-unquote those people, I'm sorry, now I'm grouping and labeling, but there are people in this world that want to erase me, a transgender person. They want to erase me from the face of the earth. They don't want to acknowledge that I exist. They want to put me, in fact, in therapy to correct me so that I get it, you know, I understand that this has all been a big mistake. They want to save, and, and some of them want to save me, that's the phrase, because they love me so much. They know that I'm in pain. These are the people that this gentleman was criticizing me for not bringing in the fold and, and recognizing that they need to be, um, that they need to be um, held equal with the people who want to act with compassion and kindness towards all people. I mean, to a certain degree, it was kind of like criticizing a Jew for not inviting a Nazi to their birthday party. You know, and it hurt. It did. And then, of course, now I'm in this position where I'm, I'm speaking to this man heading down a road. I don't have the time to get into a debate with him. Um, but, you know, I mean, it did, it did make me think about whether my approach is completely right. And I asked myself, does an idealist really need to be foresighted? I mean, isn't idealism really about pushing for all humans to do better? And you know what? I concluded that you know, there are some labeling, there is some labeling and, and grouping that we have to do for self-preservation. Um, there is. 
But as I replayed that conversation in my head, you know, you know, yes, I probably could have done that conversation with this gentleman better because had I thought about it, but he was so, I mean, I was really getting defensive and, and I was really, he was really trying to make me feel like a hypocrite. But once I got away from the conversation, I thought about how I could have handled it better. I should have asked him to coffee. I should have. And I should have said, let's get to know each other better and see where we could bridge some things. And maybe you get a better idea of me and not think that I'm a hypocrite. I did not say that to him. And, you know, we don't always get the chances to say maybe what was what's right under the circumstances. But I'm not going to beat myself up over it either. I'm just not. So there you go. But at the same training, I got a second person who came up to me. I mean, it was, you know, I thought the training went well. And it did, but... So a second person, a woman in her early 30s, came up to me. Um, she was a bit emotional, but not about the training. She was upset um, because at my request before we did the training, I asked that everyone's name tag not only include their name, the first name, but also their, quote, preferred gender pronoun, unquote. Now, older listeners won't understand what I just said about preferred gender pronouns, but Many um, high schoolers and colleges and hipster workplaces now are routinely adding the pronouns. So pronoun, he, 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 him, she, her. Um, they're adding those pronouns on their name tags. So you have Joe, um, and underneath that, him, he, um, or Sally, she, her. Their name, that, that's on their name tags. And they're doing that as a way of validating a person, about validating a human. Now, for someone like me who definitely appears female, if you're on Facebook Live, you'll see that. But someone who sounds male, having a pronoun on my name tag erases some doubt that somebody might have when they're interacting with me. But most of all, adding these pronouns to a name tag is about validating a human. Well, this woman that I was speaking with was very upset about the fact that I had asked for, quote, preferred, unquote, pronouns, gender pronouns, because she was telling me that um, using the word preferred as part of this process, these instructions on to put pronouns on name tags at this training, that using the word preferred sounded like I was asking for permission for a person to have a certain pronoun. She went on to say that no one should need someone else's permission to say who they are, to live authentically. Um, and, you know, I'm like, okay, uh, this comes on the heels of this other gentleman talking to me about being a hypocrite. And, you know, okay, and, and I said to this woman, I, you know, I said, and, and it's not actually the first time I'd ever heard that, um, that it should just be, please put your pronouns on your name tag rather than preferred pronouns, preferred gender pronouns. It's not the first time I heard it. And I said to her, I said, you know, there are different strands to this story, that there are different opinions that people have. Now, and, and, and we, we left on good terms, and she seemed to understand where I was coming from, and certainly I understood where she was coming from. And so... And, and the good news is, is that my trainings are provoking people to speak up, which is, we need to do that. And we need to speak our truths, regardless of whether you agree with the truths or not. And, and uh, 
even the, the gentleman who essentially was calling me a hypocrite, you know what? He wasn't being angry about it. And, um, and I, I respect him for, I mean, it was not, he was not being demeaning about it. Um, and he could have been far more demeaning. And why do I share these stories with you? Because they are stories about making people uncomfortable. I made the two people who came up to me uncomfortable, and guess what? They made me uncomfortable. Yep, they did. But you know what? We need to be uncomfortable if we're going to change this world. We cannot do it from sitting from our barca lounger, uh, you know, our sleep comfort number. We can't do it with that and our drink at our side, all comfy with a blanket over us. It's not going to work. The world will not change for the better until we all become uncomfortable, till we get into that bumpy area. We're like, oh, why am I doing this? Well, you're doing it because it's important. You're doing it because it does make the world a better place. You're doing it because we all need to grow. And, and frankly, we all need to think differently than what we have been thinking because what we've been doing so far isn't working. I'm here to tell you that. It's not. We have huge disparities in this country. We have huge disparities in the Twin Cities. And we need to move the envelope. That's me. I'm an envelope mover. I'm a catalyst for change. I'm an idealist. I'll be that to my last breath. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Sign up for my newsletter. The Ripple comes out every month. People love it. A big thanks, huge, huge thanks to my producer, Hunter Hawes. Thank you, Hunter. I'll be back next week, listeners, with more stories about idealism. Tell others about the show. Bye-bye.